0: Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Cheryl. I am so excited to have everyone join us this morning. Um, We have a special guest in the house this morning that I'm going to introduce in just a second, but I wanted to share a little bit about why I started this conversation. Um, Over the past few years, I have had um, intentional conversations in the community with a lot of different people. And so I wanted to sort of bring that to a smaller setting. Um, 2020 has taught us a lot of things. Um, my favorite word going into 2021 is pivot. And with that, I've had to pivot the conversation in a lot of different ways. And so by doing that, I wanted to bring opportunities for those individuals that we see, or we may have heard of or may not have heard of in the community who are working in business, who are working in um, nonprofit organizations, who are working in the political arena, um, and especially in education, which I think if you know me, you know that is truly my heart. And so I want to start our series um, every other Saturday from March to May. We'll have an intimate, intentional conversation with some of the most amazing people that I know. Um, So today we're gonna start with, again, my friend and this amazing woman who calls herself a creative entrepreneur, Ms. Tamara Fike. Tamara, welcome to the conversation.
1: Thank you, Cheryl. It's so good to be with you this morning.
0: Thank you so much. And Tamara is the, again, the creative entrepreneur behind Love in a Big World and Music City Kids. And so we're, we're going to start the conversation with allowing Tamara to introduce herself and tell us her story about why she started Love in a Big World. So Tamara, take it away.
1: Thank you. So I started Love in a Big World 25 years ago. And... Um, The the motive for starting was I was substitute teaching in Metro Nashville Public Schools, working predominantly with sixth graders in the John Henry Hale community. That was my favorite neighborhood. And um, I got to know the kids and they were funny because they were trying to get away with everything like you do when you're having a substitute. And I'd say, well, if you're good, I'll sing for you at the end of the day. So they were really curious, like, who is this person and what is she going to sing for us? And they would would do well. And at the end of the day, we would hang out waiting for buses to be called, waiting for dismissal. Most of them were walkers. And um, we'd sing. I'd sing. They would sing. We'd sing together. And then we'd just start talking about life. And these 12-year-olds would tell me that they didn't expect to live past the age of 21 because of what they were experiencing in their neighborhood just the the amount of gun violence mm-hmm. um the drugs the just everything that they saw and experienced as kids mm-hmm. they're just like we're not going to live past 21. Mm-hmm. so what does it matter what we do what does it matter what we say i mean we can just pretty much do anything because we don't have tomorrow promise for us right and um i just was not okay with that mm-hmm. and to do whatever I could to help give them help empower them I would say recognize that they do have a choice about what they do and what they say beyond their circumstances and that's really how love in a big world was born
0: wow that's an impactful story uh and I'm so excited that you share that with us and again if you didn't hear it this is the 25th year for Love in a Big World, so this is not a new initiative. Um, and I'm so excited that you're here to share that with us. So what would you say about Love in a Big World and Music City Kids uh, share information that someone may not know about? You've worked with a lot of organizations, organizations, and I know that you work directly with schools in Metro Nashville Public Schools. So tell us about what Love in a Big World is, what that program is like, what type of curriculum do you offer?
1: Sure. So currently, and and then I'll go back in time, currently Mm -hmm. we provide curriculum for kindergarten through 12th grade, Mm -hmm. professional development and coaching for administrators and teachers all around safety and climate Mm -hmm. and social emotional learning. We also provide all sorts of classroom resources and support resources for educators, families, and kids. Mm -hmm. And then we also provide live events. And currently those live events are streamed, but we do in-person live events too. And that can range anywhere from a student workshop to an assembly to um, a camp. So we do all sorts of things. Um, back in the day, we got our start doing our assembly programs. So I'm a musician, singer-songwriter, and using music as a vehicle to connect with people heart-to-heart. Um, has always been a desire of mine. So that's what a lot of people have known us from in the past. But that's just part of what we offer. The curriculum is really at the center of everything we do. So we have 24 character traits and that's the through line. So we talk about everything from courage, honesty, kindness, responsibility, respect, cooperation, dependability, forgiveness. And these are terms that we'll throw around Especially as adults, and we might expect that other adults or even kids understand what those words mean, but until we define them discreetly, we don't have a common language. And so we have defined those 24 character traits in kid friendly terms so that the school community, the family, can have a common vocabulary in order to help them navigate the meaningful conversations that they need to have with one another. And so that curriculum is really at the backbone of everything we do, whether it's the professional development and coaching or our other resources such as Music City Kids um, or the live events. So that's that's at the heart of everything. And with Music City Kids, I mean, you mentioned the word pivot, Cheryl. So uh-huh. yeah. last year we had to pivot uh-huh. and we've made many, but this is one of them. So um, it was right after lockdown, uh-huh. we realized we couldn't get into schools because Mm -hmm. it wasn't happening but kids needed content they needed still to interact with adults in a positive way and they needed to be taught so um some friends of mine here in nashville we created music city kids and um it's a 30 minute online show for six year olds through 12 year olds Mm -hmm. and it features a lot of different content providers from the Nashville area, even some from South Africa, Chicago. Um, Yeah, we've had lots of different people chime in. Um, There's some segments that are created by kids for kids, and it's just fun. I mean, we integrate music. We feature some of the greatest musical guests um, still yet to be discovered here in the Nashville area, and uh, it's just fun. So we've been going strong with that for a year now.
0: Oh, that's awesome and so a couple of things that that you made me think about first of all where can individuals find these online activities music city kids
1: music city kids is musiccitykids.com
0: mm-hmm.
1: we also have a youtube channel so you can just search music city kids and that's m-u-s-i-c-i-t-y so only one C. Um, So you can find us there we also have the facebook and instagram twitter like all the all the things um so that's where you can find us
0: awesome and so the other thing that you that that came to mind when you started sharing about the curriculum um especially when you mentioned the word courage Our kids have been out of school or had been out of school for nearly a year until they just recently went back into uh, in-person learning. Um, Not everybody is in person. There's still some hybrid uh, programming going on. But the one thing that comes to mind when I think about uh, the, the children reintegrating themselves back into the classroom is social emotional learning. And I know that's at the heart of a lot of what you do. So talk to us a little bit about what is social-emotional learning and how is it impacting education and in particular your programming?
1: So social-emotional learning is, as we define it, helping kids identify what's going on in their heads and in their hearts so they can use their hands to build up and not tear down.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Um, There's a lot of different definitions, but all of it is encompassing how can we use our emotions um, and our cognitive skills and our different relational competencies in order to connect with ourselves and connect with each other. And I think one of the things that has come out of this pandemic is that we have realized how relational we are as human beings. And in the midst of all the busyness pre-pandemic, we would just, we took that for granted. And I think after a year of isolation, we've realized how much we need each other. And so mental health and social emotional learning has become the topic of conversation in education, especially as we're looking at reintegrating. And if you look at the data, there have been studies done even over this past year looking at the rise in anxiety, depression, and even suicidal ideation among kids based on their experiences of COVID-19.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and everything that you're saying uh, is making me think about more and more. Um, I'm coming up with a lot of different thoughts in my head. So. One of the things that I was concerned about and I've asked this question of several educators. Um, our kids were out of school again for almost a year. Um, the expectation when they go back to school is that they're going to be ready, even though the learning never stopped, uh, that they're going to be ready to be reintegrated into a classroom. now. That may be true for a large majority of the kids, but there are also going to be some situations that need to be considered when you think about their habits have changed. Um, they have been accustomed or have become accustomed to getting up and looking at a screen uh, and being in their own home setting. Uh, some of our kids have had some food insecurities. Some of them have had some home insecurities. So how do we adjust or help our kids adjust going back into the classroom after being at home for a while? Um, How do we adjust that learning opportunity? How do we get them to get back into the learning? Um, I expect that there may be some behavioral concerns uh, when they're going back into a classroom because they have not been around their peers or their educators for quite some time. So is, is there anything in your programming that can assist not just our kids, but our parents get through that and get over that and, and educators.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so that was a lot and I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> break it down. Um, so for, for I'm gonna start with the the easiest part first actually. Okay. So Love Big World, yes, we do provide the content to help foster connection mm-hmm. between ad- caring adults and kids kindergarten through 12th grade. So it's literacy based, it's read a story together, have a conversation about that story, take some time to journal, do some fun activities around that topic, whether it's courage or honesty or forgiveness, you know, have work through it. So it's not just something that is a word, but it's something that is tangible, like more tangible mm-hmm. um, in our experience. So just the fact that we adults take the time to engage with children, especially now, um, is what's key. And I've talked to a lot of teachers, a lot of of people who are just like, I love kids, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't, you know, I've got the time, but you know, we just, I don't know. Yeah. That's where we come in, where we help bridge that gap to foster that connection in a deeper way. And that was true before the pandemic, and it's true during the transition, and it will be true after because the fallout from this past year is going to be with us for many years to come. Mm -hmm. I think the good thing is that we have the opportunity to retool what education looks like and to incorporate mental health social emotional learning into the practice of education in a way that we haven't for a long time. And I say it that way because, you know, I've 25 years and I remember <laughs> I remember back in the day when positive youth development, I mean, we, we in education, you know, Cheryl, it, it's really not anything new. We just changed the names. Right. So the, the, the idea of focusing on the needs of the whole child, positive youth development, that's been with us for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back even to Franklin and Aristotle and look at how they addressed the needs of the mind and the heart when they were teaching. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing new, it's just bringing greater awareness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we have an incredible opportunity to say, how can we personalize education to meet the needs of our students? How can we change what school is and how school functions in order to be part of the community ecosystem to serve families rather than make it a um, oppositional type relationship of we are the school and we know what's right for you and your kids, but how can we come together. And, and be successful as a whole community. And those are the conversations that at a larger scale, we are part of and, and want to continue to be part of because the education system was not serving all of our kids. And, and when people say, oh, we need to go back to normal, I go, well, was normal good anyway?
0: Right, right. Uh, And I've heard that so many times, when we get back to normal, when we get back to normal, we have jumped headfirst into a new normal. And I don't think that the previous normal is going to be something that we can continue to, that we really want to go back to, to your point. Um, And you also said something uh, that struck me about individualized learning. So one of the things that has always struck me is that working with kids they are anything but the same. We have got to develop an idea of programming, um, a go forward method for understanding that every single one of our babies are different. They learn different, they speak different, they, are, they have a dif- different set of emotions. And so when we think about moving to this new normal, um, I think that there is going to continue to be some, some sort of hybrid learning opportunities Um, and it just makes sense to me because we realized that we can in fact do that where before in 20, you know, before 2020 hit, uh, I think that we thought it has to be this one way. It has to be in-person learning. It has to be, you know, uh, an educator in the classroom of kids. This is the, the only and the best way to educate our kids. We found out that that's not necessarily the truth. And so as we move forward to this new normal, what does that look like? What do you think it's going to look like uh, in education and learning if we continue on this path of hybrid learning? Is it possible to, to continue to do that? What what does that look like?
1: Well, I, I'm reminded of a conversation I had for our Love in a Big World Education podcast with Dr. Kim Dukes just this week. And Kim is the director of the TRIO program at Tennessee State University. And she was sharing stories of the students and the families that they work with. And she said, you know, a lot of the kids that in their program love learning at home because they don't have to deal with the extra noise, the extra pressure of what am I wearing? Who's yes. going to be fun of me? Does my teacher really like me? I mean, like there's all these external pressures that go along just because it's a social setting mm-hmm. that the kids have actually, from her experience, have enjoyed having a break from that kind of stress. And I've just been ruminating on that the past few days and going, yeah. And these are families that typically, you know, their fam, their parents are essential workers, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're not what you would typically say a homeschool family would look like, right? Mm-hmm. But they might want to do homeschool because now they have time to eat dinner as a family, right? And they enjoy being able to play games at night instead of just rushing around of like mom's off the clock, go hurry and pick up the kids, go to basketball practice. I mean, like the relaxed pace. Mm-hmm. Um, So I I don't know exactly I I can tell you what I would hope to see.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would a friend of mine and I have been talking for the past year. He's actually a pastor in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean that's a whole nother conversation of what is COVID done to the church, but what they're looking at is a decentralized model and then of smaller home meetings and then having their church be a hub not just for their church folk but for the entire community and bringing in kids for tutoring and one-on-one and the remote learning and providing the wi-fi access like I would love to see more of that they've got a food pantry and why can't we repurpose our schools in a similar way so and I know that the community achieves model here in Nashville or the you know the community model that communities and schools uses that there's some of that that's going on I think that we need more of that mm-hmm. and see our schools as a hub to provide services and resources see educators and families on the same team to help nice. promote the child's success mm-hmm. rather than I mean because if we're honest we have parents who don't want to walk into a school because educators make them feel second class Mm -hmm. and that's got to stop and 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 again this is where i think we have the opportunity for an incredible reset to say you know covid has hit everyone and in in many ways it's leveled the playing field to say we're all part of the same family so how do we help promote and elevate each one of us
0: Yes, absolutely, and, and you you, you said it before I could, COVID has leveled the playing field. Um, and one of the things that I found to be true in my many years of working with uh, schools and parents and especially kids um, is that parents do have um, some hesitancy sometimes when going into the schools because they feel like they don't have a voice. Uh, and we definitely have to figure out a better way of doing that, and maybe this is it, um, but always at the forefront of what I do is consider what the kids want. We've got to understand that um, even though they may not be adults, they still have these incredible innovative minds. They have a level of intellect that is not always recognized and appreciated. But if we don't ask them what works for them, we are going to be creating programming and uh well programming that that is not going to be of interest to them and one of the things that I've learned if I've learned nothing else is that if you build something that they are not interested in they are not going to engage and participate in it and so we've wasted a lot of time. Um, I love the idea of um, maybe doing some sort of virtual type of tutoring for kids who I mean there are a lot of different issues. There are transportation issues and to your point Uh, for those young people who have parents who are essential workers, this has been a great opportunity for them for a lot of different reasons. Um, It's been difficult for some parents who have not had to educate their children at home. Uh, They've had to make some major adjustments to scheduling um, and to educators who are trying to do virtual learning while managing their own families uh, and their own kids in a virtual learning setting. So there's been a lot going on right now. So I think, in my opinion, I think we have touched on or discovered um, a model that could be implemented long-term. How we do that? I don't have those answers. I'll leave that up to the experts to figure out. But I think we have a very unique opportunity right now to continue in um, in a setting that is beneficial for a lot of kids. And one of the things that you touched on was that there are a lot of kids who have thrived in a virtual setting because they have taken the social impacts off the table. Um, They don't feel like they have to, you know, go to school and be bullied. Um, they're, they don't have to be in a setting where they feel like they are less than because maybe their clothing is different or maybe, you know, their background is different or maybe there's a language barrier or a cultural barrier that they have had to deal with. So I love the idea of exploring or continue, continuing to explore new options. So all of all of this has been fantastic. And, and I, I wish we had so much more time, but I wanted to. I want to wrap up with this. So we talked a little bit about pivoting and that is my word for 2021. Again, I've had to pivot in so many different ways and it's been really positive for the most part, but tell us how you've had to pivot in your world and how you will continue to make those adjustments going forward for Love in a Big World and Music City Kids.
1: That's another big question.
0: (laughs) I'm full of big questions this
1: morning. I know. so, the, the pivoting, I mean, especially the fact that I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, pivoting is just part of my world on a daily basis. And it's there were some major pivots that happened in 2020 and are still happening now. But, um, but that's the life of an entrepreneur, as you know. So, um, you know, the big thing when I look at what we've been able to create over the past year, I'm amazed. Like we have this catalog of content, not just Music City Kids for the kids, but with our LBW Educate You podcast, um, with articles and resources for educators and administrators, um, retooling our packaging so that we can make our, our curriculum available to families at home. So homeschool materials. I mean, it's just we've been just how can we how can we retool everything to meet different needs. It's it's customization and personalization, which is where the marketplace is headed anyway. I mean, we've been there, but I think we're going to even continue to see that to a greater extent because of technology and people being able to order their groceries and have Amazon drop it off. Um, <laughs> the other part that we've been pivoting with has just been the growth of our team um, and moving towards a, a combination of the print and live resources, as well as a technology resource. So we're, we have a technology platform in development. We are in a fundraise for our LLC for investment funding. Um, we have a, a big audacious goal for our sales team of selling, um, you know, getting to a million dollars this year in revenue, which would, it, it, that's a big, audacious goal, but given the need that is existing and given the money that's been released with specific allocations for mental health and wellness, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that we can serve and support families at home, schools and districts, as well as after school programs, camps, and you know, just anywhere adults, caring adults are with kids, mm-hmm. we can be there. And so I think you know it's just caused me to realize that yes although Love in a Big World started back in the day as a nonprofit I have to be very much aware of what it means to run a business as a for profit and and that's something you and I've talked about in the past and and that's a very different way of thinking and so it's mission driven business mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about declaring that and just saying this is who we are this is what we do and i don't have to apologize for that if that makes sense
0: that totally makes sense i am so excited i mean i I love you anyway but i think more people are now going to realize how amazing you truly are and the work that you're doing is so needed it is so important to our kids to our families and to our educators and i thank you so much for doing that Um, so i will end with this thank you to our creative entrepreneur tamara fike for joining the conversation today Uh, it has been a very fun conversation i always enjoy having a conversation with you anyway um but uh, continue to follow tamara uh, and love in a big world you can find her on social you can find her on youtube and make sure that you're tuning in if you have any questions we will be posting Uh, contact information for love in a big world and music city kids on our facebook channel um, on our facebook page and we will be also broadcasting on our youtube page you can also catch the rebroadcast on our podcast it's my toolbox podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So next week, uh, we will uh, invite another interesting, exciting guest to the table to conversation. So I hope you'll tune in at 10 o'clock on Ma- March 27th is our next broadcast at 10 a.m. right here, right now. So thank you everyone for joining in. Tamera, thank you again for being here today. It has been my absolute pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you, Cheryl. It's been so good to be with you.
0: Thanks. Bye, guys.